everyone, I'm Ashley McManus, Senior Director of Global Marketing at SmartEye. Welcome to the Human-Centric AI Podcast, where each episode we feature thought leaders doing cutting-edge work in the AI space. A little bit about us, SmartEye is the global leader in human insight AI, technology that understands, supports, and predicts human behavior in complex environments, bridging the gap between humans and machines for a safe and sustainable future. Today, our technology is embedded in next-generation vehicles, leading the way towards human-centric mobility through driver monitoring systems and interior sensing solutions. Our research instruments division offers unparalleled insights into automotive, aviation, assistive technology, behavioral science, and many more fields. So today's episode features Neil Sahota, an IBM Master Innovator, United Nations AI Advisor, Chief Innovation Officer, and globally recognized speaker and author. Neil is a founding member of the UN's AI for Good initiative, and I invited him to speak on how to, quote, disrupt the box. Through his work with global Fortune 500 companies as a change maker, he created a disruptive thinking framework to show people how to think differently. Let's listen in to learn more. Okay. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us today. With me, I have Neil Sahota. Thank you so much for making the time to speak with me. Hey, I'm excited to be here, Ashley. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So to start, tell us about your background. How has your career path taken you to ACSI Labs? I'll be honest, I think most of it was just accident. (laughs) (laughs) It always. (laughs) I I never really planned for a lot of this stuff. I think it's that I've always been deeply interested in in learning and tackling big challenges. So kind of the guy that, well, seeks the path the most resistance. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I've had a chance of doing lots of once in a lifetime type of things. But I, I remember, and I know I'm dating myself here, it's about 17, 18 years ago when working with folks like Michael Eisner and Warren Buffett and you know, business intelligence started taking off. And like, it's amazing what computers are telling us. I was just thinking to myself, not really telling us anything. We have nice tools to collect and store lots of data and create nice yeah. looking reports. But could computers actually tell us something? Yeah. And that set me down kind of this AI path and took me to the, you know, back then the secret IBM Watson project. Yes. You know, the Jeopardy Challenge, launching this AI wave, which took me to the UN and trying to do more AI for good and with the social development goals. And took me to this whole thing now about the idea of convergence, combining different technologies and sciences together where at ACSI Labs, we're taking cognitive science, AI, and the metaverse, and we're solving very big, complex problems. And what we found out that it also is augmenting people's creativity skills. It's actually making people better thinkers. Mm-hmm. So it's been uh, it's been an interesting journey. Never planned any of it. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, you hit on a ton. So we're going to unpack a lot of this. So I think to start, um, you're you're a member of several investor groups, like I think Tech Host Angels and Advise, you know, venture capital funds. You know, what are what are some of the learnings you have or advice you would give to both the entrepreneurs and investors? You know, anything they should be mindful of. Yeah, I know that AI is still kind of a, a buzzword out there, so they'll just throw it out randomly. Yeah. If, you're, if you claim AI, the the investors today are savvy enough to say, okay, 
and say, what, what is it? How'd you do it? They're going to ask really hard hitting questions. So if you haven't really done it or you haven't started yet, just be upfront about that. <laughs> if you are doing AI, fantastic. Just be prepared. They're going to ask you all kinds of questions about your training data, your subject matter experts, yeah. because there's a concern about how robust is it and is there any bias in the training? Mm-hmm. So those are things to really watch out for when it comes to, you know, those co- investor conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So I was I was watching a video on your website. And one thing I was hoping you could dive deeper into a little bit is your, your time at IBM. So I, I two questions specifically. So the first was, you know, you advise a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, what would you say your biggest learnings are or advice you would have for them, you know, as a startup coming out of you know, a large corporate environment. So that's kind of A. And then B, you know, also at IBM, I believe I saw you were the leader of the the business development team behind Watson, as you mentioned. So maybe you could speak to what that was like, you know, what was your initial vision with Watson? What were you trying to do? How you went about building it? So that's a lot, a loaded, loaded <laughs> couple of questions, but uh, let's, let's hear your thoughts there. Great, great questions. Well, coming out of a corporate environment and you're thinking about doing a startup, couple of things to be prepared for is one, obviously you don't have as much resources available. Yes. yes. <laughs> Two, no matter how good your idea is and how much validation and justification you have, you really got to be prepared to sell people on a major change. So you really have to have those ro- robust value propositions. You, you got to have said, like, I talked to a hundred possible customers because the problem you're going to face is that while you may actually have the next big idea, most people will think like, well, you're probably trying to fix something that's not broken, right? It's working well enough, or are you just trying to throw technology at something? That's that's the biggest challenge I've always seen is that the the buy-in to what you're doing is a lot tougher than you realize. In your, in your head as an entrepreneur, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. That messaging, the articulation is critical. And always remember you're not building a product you're building a business so you got to show all facets there yeah so if you work for that big company remember they also did finance they also did operations yeah and then marketing gotta be able to do all those things mm-hmm. great advice so interestingly enough on the on the watson biz dev side it was similar type of thinking the, mm-hmm. the honest truth is because it's no secret today that we never thought past jeopardy <laughs> <laughs> When, when Watson won, we were all we were all surprised. It was 50-50 the night of it would even work. And I'll even I remember like Sam Paul was on, I was like, man, this was amazing. I remember like this is a game changer. And our CEO's like, you guys have spent a lot of money and a lot of time. What's next? And we had not thought that far out. We're like, uh, we'll get back to you. <laughs> but we had a bit of a holy war discussion. On what to do next because IBM, a lot of smart people used to just doing things ourselves. Yeah. I'm one of the people actually advocating for an ecosystem model that it's just so big. There's so many possible uses. Let's empower the people that need the help. So the mm-hmm. people that know healthcare, the people that know finance, the people with the great ideas, the entrepreneurs, the entrepreneurs. Yeah. Let's open up our platform for them to use. But it's not just here's the technology, some training around it. You have to help them understand the new capabilities and how they can actually build a venture around it. So how would you drive adoption? How would you do marketing? Mm-hmm. What kind of finance you might need? So building essentially a hub, people could get together 
ideate, but then do that value alignment and figure out a tactical path forward on actually launching a venture. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Awesome. So I do want to, I want to pivot a little bit because I know you've written this award-winning best business book of, I think, 2019 it was, called Own the AI Revolution. So I'll drop a link to that in the show notes. People can check that out. It's on my reading list, so I'm definitely going to read it when I have the time. Um, So can you give us, you know, both a high-level overview on, you know, what the book's about? And I'm just always interested how you arrived at, you know, the concept of, of writing this book. Well, it actually stemmed from my work in developing out this Watson ecosystem. Oh, cool. I just found a lot of people had the same questions, like a little bit about what is AI and as a non-technical person, what should I what should I understand about it? But every every organization, every person I ever talked to always had the same two questions. Mm-hmm. I know I should be doing something with AI. How do I figure that out? And then second, if I figure that out, how do I actually get started? <laughs> and so I realized that uh, working with people one-on-one isn't the most efficient way to answer those questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, speaking, yeah, I can hit some of the audience that way. But I realized if I wrote a book, that could reach people in mass. Cool. And at the time, most of the books were either super technical yeah. or they were a lot of fear-mongering. They put that fear about AI and other things into you. And everyone's like, well, what, what do we do? I have no solutions. So mm-hmm. I was like, that's not right. So that's why I really wrote the book. I wrote it for non-technical business folks. Understand what, what AI is to a degree, but also what they can actually do with it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's filled with actually several interviews with non-technical people like lawyers, no technical knowledge, who built an AI system. A yeah. therapist who built an AI system to help suicidal teenagers. Mm-hmm to show people what they can actually do. They can all be an innovator. It's not the realm of just Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. Each one of us can actually do something to help ourselves, our company, our community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. love that message. Um, very much aligned with what we believe here too. So that's great to hear. Uh, and also it's kind of along that same vein, but based on on your work as United Nations AI advisor, um, and I think chief innovation officer and founding member of UN's AI for Good initiative. Uh, what do you think that companies need to do or re- recommend that they focus on when it comes to ethics in AI? Well, there's a whole field we call responsible AI because I, I know it's cliche. Just because we can do something doesn't mean that we should do something. Yeah. And historically, you know, technologists, engineers, we build something. This is the outcome people want. So we, we build to that, not thinking about the other uses or misuses. And now that we're at a, at a stage where technology like AI is making recommendations or in some cases decisions, mm-hmm. we have to become part philosopher and think about, okay, what are the things that could happen? What kind of scenarios? How could bad actors misuse some of this technology? And then think about what safeguards we put in or are there some things that we shouldn't do? Yeah. I, I mean, actually, you, you're probably familiar with deep fakes, right? Yep. Yeah. Do you know how that got started? I don't actually know. It started because there were a few guys that thought it'd be cool. Like, hey, what if I could substitute actors into a movie? Maybe I don't want Keanu Reeves to be John Wick. Maybe I want Matt Damon to be one. And so they figured out a way to substitute actors, recreate the the voice, the body language. And it was a kind of a cool thing, right? Okay. Well, not realizing that perhaps this could be misused somehow. 
that's when a few people saw what they did and said, oh, I could fake being other people. And thus, deepfakes were born. Got it. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, well, that's definitely something to keep in mind. I had no idea that was the the origination story of, of deepfakes. A little, little arc of a tool and look what happened. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Um, so at, at the Smart Eye Group, um, I would say that we fall into this bucket of, I guess, emerging technologies, right? So especially with regard to our, our emotion AI and our work that we're doing with interior sensing and automotive and in research, I would just love to get a breakdown from an expert what you would categorize artificial intelligence as in simple terms, you know, how can we use it and, and how will it impact us? That's a great question. I don't know if I could do simple terms. <laughs> There's so many uses. But basically, AI is a computer that can actually do work that requires some level of cognition. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's very little programming, actually, when it comes to AI. It's, it learns through what we call ground truth, rules on how to make decisions, the data we give it, and then the human teachers that provide the training for it. Mm-hmm. And so... Think of it as, you know, Alexa on steroids, so to speak. There you go. While Alexa's great at telling you what the weather of the sports car is, the AI, you could go like, hey, Alexa, who's, who's going to win the Celtics game tomorrow and why? Mm-hmm. And it'll try and figure that out and, and explain its prediction. Oh, cool. Like that, that. That, that's really what AI is. And it's in every facet of what we do today. We started with a lot of automation which I'm sure a lot of people experience and use every day. You know, I could ask, you know, my Citigroup app about a mortgage and I could be talking with an AI, learning about different kinds of mortgage things. Yeah. But today we're also using it for things that people find unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Estonia has AI robot judges, something that the UN is really big about, but they, those robot judges do traffic court. So you get a speeding ticket or red light, suddenly you're actually in front of this AI robot judge explaining why, <laughs> You're doing 120 kilometers an hour and then 80 kilometer an hour zone. Oh, wow. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So I know a lot of people think about sentiment analysis and marketing, but now we've taught AI psychographic profiling and neurolinguistics. Mm-hmm. You can actually decode your language and figure out your values, your hobbies, your interests, even what words to use to connect with you. So suddenly we have AI communication coaches helping yeah. out depressed and suicidal teenagers. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's so cool. So, uh, and I know you probably talked a little bit about, you know, your, your long and winding journey at the beginning, but I really love, you know, personal stories. So I don't know if you have, you know, if there's an experience that you had perhaps earlier in your career that was just really formative for you working for a client or an agency or just something that was really motivating to you and inspired you to this day that you could share with us. Yeah, there's there's a few. I've learned some hard lessons over the years. But one, one thing I definitely learned is you have to make the people around you better. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter how good of a job that you do and how much you upskill yourself. It doesn't matter that if you have the great ideas and you can articulate the value propositions, no person's an island. And so if you can't find a way to connect you know, we always call it the soft skills. These are becoming the most important skills now because yeah. unlocking value, unlocking innovation requires that you're good at teamwork. You're good at collaboration. You're good at communication, negotiation, facilitation. 
which means that you need to find ways to make the people around you better. Mm-hmm. So manage the strengths, not weaknesses. And don't forget, even if you're not a manager supervisor, you should still be managing up. Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't think people realize that managing up is actually a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> to um, so great, great advice. Um, what do you wish that people knew about AI? Maybe not necessarily people in the tech space, but, you know, your everyday person, like my mother. <laughs> what would you wish that they knew? I actually wish that they knew they're the ones that are creating the real innovation with AI. You look at a lot of the great solutions out there, it did not come from a technologist most of the time. I hate to say most technologists, we don't know the different domains well enough to know what the pain points are and how to apply it, which is why I see lawyers creating amazing, you know, legal AI stuff, like an AI lawyer. That's why I see doctors and nurses now creating phenomenal health AI diagnostic tools and treatment plans because they understand the challenges. Yeah. And so there's an AI innovator in all of us that can do something small or big, but I think most of us don't realize that. That's what I really wish people knew. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what do you think the the future of AI holds? You know, based on on trends you're seeing now, what are some insights you have in where you see the tech industry or, you know, any specific industries going in the in the years to come? Interestingly enough, I've been doing some work the past few months with, you know, at ACSI Labs where we started noticing that the, the this notion of convergence, combining science and technology together can accelerate outcomes. Mm-hmm. We've taken cognitive science, artificial intelligence, and the metaverse, combined mm-hmm. them together, and we've been working with companies to solve big, complex problems. One of the things that we've re- realized from this work is that it's actually augmented human creativity. So in a sustained way. So for example, we've done some work with a couple of big mining companies and we want to actually pioneering sustainable mining. I know that sounds like an oxymoron given the amount of ecological damage most mining does. Yeah. But through the, you know, the use of the metaverse of digital twins and the AI analysis about, you know, people, planet profit and some of these things. We've actually found ways to mine these ore bodies with a much reduced environmental footprint, yet actually increase profitability at the same time. And this was something that a lot of people were skeptical could ever happen, that there's not ever going to be sustainable mining. Mm-hmm. But thanks to this and thanks to now, you know, the, the C-suite and the boards that worked with us, their ability to kind of think way beyond the box has unleashed this potential for us. It's created this opportunity. And that's something I'm really jazzed about. And I think, you know, we, I know we always talk about human versus machine and people get automated out of the jobs, but I think people forget there's an opportunity for human and machine, mm-hmm. which is what I call hybrid intelligence. We're augmenting our abilities with machine capabilities. And this is a perfect example with sustainable mining. I think that's really the future of AI for us. Yeah, definitely. So we've we've talked about a lot today. Um, I'm wondering, is there another another book in in the works, or the something that we could possibly do in the future with all of these topics? For sure, I will tell you. There's the second book. I'm 90% done with it. Oh, cool! It's my disruptive thinking framework. So all these things we where did I get all these ideas and how do they make them happen? I actually codified it in a framework because I know everyone says, "How do you do this? You think differently." 
Mm-hmm. And it was like, great, Neil, how do you do that? Well, that's the secret I'm sharing in my next book. Okay. Keep me posted. When that's out, I want to read that one too. So well, I, I will. <laughs> stay connected with that one. Um, okay. If you had, if you had one takeaway for the audience listening today, what would you like to tell them? I would tell each person that you you actually have the opportunity to be a solutionist. Doesn't matter how big or small your idea is, if it's just again for you, your family, your community, your company. But at the end of the day, I believe that small things add up in the aggregate. That's mm-hmm. how we move the needle. So I, I want everyone to not just realize you're a solutionist, but I want you to think about one thing you could do and think about how something like AI might be able to help you do that and pursue it. So that's the way we transform and create the future. Love it. So also for our listeners, can you let them know where they can go to learn more? Or do you have any other call to action for them? Absolutely. You can always come to my website, which is just my name, neilsohoda.com, or you can follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm quite active in posting. So if you want to see what I'm up to, some of this UN stuff, AI for good, or just some of the latest trends out there, or those, you know, called people stories, check, check it out and feel free to DM me. Always glad to hear from people and their ideas. Awesome. Well, that is all I have for you. Neil Sahota, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for making the time to speak with me today. Thanks, Ashley. Had a blast. <laughs>It was so great speaking with Neil on his extensive background at IBM and listening to his advice for entrepreneurs and as an investor as well. His vast experience in the AI space was palpable throughout our conversation, yet he made the various topics very accessible and had some really thought-provoking ideas on where he sees the future direction of AI heading. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the Human-Centric AI podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes. We're also on social media, so please reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram to share any feedback you have on the show. Weigh in on a discussion using hashtag humancentricaipodcast. Don't forget to rate us and comment with your feedback to help make the podcast more discoverable for others. Until next time, thanks for listening.